Hey there friends, Karen Pennington here. And I was wondering, have you ever uh, sent a, like a text or an email or maybe made a comment on social media and, and once you saw that it was sent, you saw like this glaring mistake in it, or in my case, many glaring mistakes. Uh, I've sent text messages that were complete gibberish because my phone was like on it. <laughs> You know, like sitting on, I was sitting on my phone or something like that, and it, and it looked like my granddaughter typed a bunch of stuff on it. And um, and then there are times when I'm actually cognizantly typing things, and they're still bad. <laughs> Probably one of the more embarrassing ones is sending a um, email to my boss, who was basically like a bishop at the time in the church where I was serving, uh, or the church regional office where I was serving and I did a spell check but I didn't read through it and for instance the spell check does not uh, address when for instance you're writing small words like as and they have an extra letter at the end so he was gracious about it he laughed at me but I basically accidentally swore, uh, swore at my boss in writing because I didn't check things and uh, sometimes sometimes I'm just careless sometimes I'm just sitting on my phone uh, this is me here true confessions sometimes I'll read things over and over and over and over and over again and I'll still miss stuff I have to if I want anything to be anywhere near accurate I have to write it then walk away and then come back and rewrite it. I, this happens a lot with my blog. I'll read through my blog and go away and read it. Sometimes I'll read it, you know, a year later and go, oh my goodness, I have to fix that. Um, most of my Facebook posts end up being checked later. I'm, um, I'm just not good at self at self editing because sometimes when you write things down the way that you experience it, that you, like your your brain is reading what you meant to write. They're not seeing the typos. I know. Um, with anointed mess, with an anointed mess, the book that I just published, it took so many rounds of editing, so many rounds, so many rounds, so many rounds. I mean, I was reading the book for the 30th time and still seeing this little thing here and there. And one of my best friends, I'll just call her out, Erica, will tell me there's always mistakes in books because she's an avid book reader. And even the best book in the world, she will find something that's off. Um, which is why it is good that we have that correcting option. I'm I'm a horrible text. I'm a horrible texter. I I I'll be honest. I don't even try. I just type in stream of consciousness. My fingers just belong on a regular keyboard. You put my thumbs when I'm all thumbs. I'm all thumbs. You know what I mean? Everything is messed up. Extra words happen. I. I, it, I, I'm just bad <laughs> and you know it's great when you have like the uh, that correction you know when you can make corrections on a manuscript or when you can make corrections on posts that you make you know you can kind of edit and refine and that's wonderful but you know some things you can't take back you send an email you cannot send that baby you send a text <laughs> whatever you wrote or meant to wrote write or accidentally sent to the wrong person. Uh, I'll just give you one more example and then we'll move on to what on earth I'm talking about today. So I was a youth leader uh, and I also was somebody who enjoyed flirting with my husband. I just, I take all that energy 
you know, I, I never, I've never had a hard time with wandering or anything like that. I just take all my flirt energy and direct it at the person I married. And uh, he's done this with me too. Also with people from our, like people from our youth group hearing when he says something to me that's meant to be flirtatious for the two of us. While I, um, I, I wrote something like, "Hey, sexy, how you doing?" <laughs> and um, accidentally send it to somebody named Ben in my youth group and right immediately afterwards like I'm so sorry I thought you were my husband and and he knew it he had a great fun with it his mother had great fun with it they never let me live it down of course because <laughs> uh, it was obviously a simple mistake but you better believe from that point forward I may not proofread all of my tasks texts but I certainly made sure that if I was writing something like that I knew it was going to the Ben that I married. <laughs> so, but just, just some things, you know, you, this is fun, but some things you can't undo. You know, you swallow something, some things you can't unswallow. There are things you can, I guess there's ways to bring it up. You just, some things just can't be undone. Right. Um, and that's the tragedy of sin. Really? You cut your finger off. You probably can't get it back. You know, sin brings death. It can't be undone, at least not by us, right? Uh, and that that's the tragedy of Scripture. It's the tragedy of life. And yet, what we couldn't do, God undid for us. And that's the great redemption of life, right? So I was reading, for some other reason, for one other thing, through, through um, the book of Revelation the other day, and I noticed something so cool about a sort of character, really a thing, that shows up at the end of Revelation that I never realized, and it is really one of the epitomes of, of redemption. Um, and this character, this thing, is first mentioned in Genesis. It's not a person, it's a tree. It's actually two trees. Now, it's crazy that, you know, the first thing that first story is about how God creates. The first story about humanity is about how we mess it up. Like, we start by messing things up. <laughs> we start by destroying what God created. How? We go for more than we're supposed to have. You know, sometimes, I've said this before, sometimes addition is subtraction. You know, sometimes addition is subtraction. We try to get more, and by doing that, we really just... The additive is something that defiles the goodness of what we have. Uh, so we got to be careful what we're going for, right? So we're talking about the Garden of Eden. We're talking about um, Genesis 2.8. Now God had planted a garden in, in Eden, in the east in Eden, and there he put the man he formed. And the Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground. Trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. So he had no lack of trees. Anything he wanted, except in the middle of the garden. This is verse 9, 9 and a half. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That used to escape me. I was always thinking about there was just one tree in the middle of the garden. No, there's two trees in the middle of the garden. He could have one of them, right? So there was the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Well... Why is it the knowledge of good and evil? Well, Adam already had good, but kind of like, 
you don't actually you can't define one thing until you know the opposite. Adam didn't know what good is, or I would say Adam and Eve didn't know how good they had it because they never experienced anything else. So God commanded Adam, this is 2.16, and the Lord God commanded the man, you're free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat it, you will surely die. So we have life, the tree of life, and the tree of knowledge and good of evil, good and evil. Um, and really, what that was, was the tree of death. We have the tree of life and the tree of death. And because we can be dumb, or we can be very smart, but do really dumb things as human beings, they chose death. They didn't know what death was. You know, they didn't know what evil was. That's the point. I, I don't know what it is. I have to know. I have to know. I have to know. You know, curiosity killed the cat. I have to know. Um, God talks about this later, you know. Uh, I was going to say the wrong scripture. In, in Philippians 4, 6 and 7, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving present your request to God and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So we go for the understanding and we forfeit the peace. And like, why do we need to understand how horrible things are? Why do we need to understand the bad things in life? Why do we have to always understand? Sometimes God gives us the gift of wisdom. God gives us the understanding. Wisdom really is understanding of what we need to understand. But there's also within the wisdom a certain piece that we don't need to know it all. You know, if you need to know it all, you're not wise. You are a Gnostic. You're worshiping knowledge. I have to say I in that too, because I, I get there sometimes. I just want to know, I want to know, I want to know, I want to conquer, and that's not what life's about, right? So he told the man not to do it. Enter temptation. We're going to, to chapter 3 now. Um, one, now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He made the woman. God really say you must not eat any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit from the trees in the garden. But God did say, you must not eat from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it, or you will die. You will not surely die, the serpent said, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Talk about twisting it, you know. We know the story, right? We know the story. God said everything but this. Uh, Eve said, but I want it. <laughs> I get this from my granddaughter sometimes, who's beautiful, and I hate to say she does anything wrong ever, and I love her, and she's my favorite. And But sometimes it doesn't matter what I give her. She wants what's in my glass. I'll have the same thing in her sippy cup that I have in my water bottle, but she wants what's in my water bottle. I might have something better in her sippy cup than what's in my water bottle. I've had times where this little one was eating chocolate and she dropped the chocolate because she wanted coleslaw. Why? Because Gam Gam's eating it. It's like, or more, more appropriately, because it's not in my hand right now. You know, there is a thing in us, even from beautiful toddlerhood and childhood, where we want the one thing we can't have, it doesn't seem to matter if it's good or bad for us. We just want it because we're dumb. <laughs> I can't think of it. Well, we're all, we all have wisdom. We all have grace. There's goodness and intelligence and all this. Okay, I said the politically correct thing. We do really dumb things. We, we go for the thing. And, and again, it's like addition by 
by subtraction. And, you know, immediately, as soon as they got what they wanted, they knew that it was bad. You know, when the woman saw the fruit was good and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband, husband who was with her. This is verses 6 and 7. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. They didn't have to worry about being naked before because really, proverbially, naked means exposed, vulnerable. If you have nothing to be vulnerable for, if you have nothing to be, to feel like you, if you have no reason to feel like you should be ashamed, then nakedness is not an issue. Sometimes people are naked and maybe they should have more of a sense of, I, I don't like that word shame, modesty. You know, some things aren't supposed to be exposed. But for instance, I don't take a shower with my clothes on. That would be silly. I have no reason to fear when I'm in the shower. And evidently, we have no reason to fear singing because that seems to be some of our best singing in the shower. You know, there's just this uninhibitedness because there's a sense of protection. There's a sense of honor and, you know, cleaning your bodies. I can get dressed and undressed in front of my husband. I have no fear, no shame of being naked in front of him. To a certain degree, you know, you go to the doctor's office, you have to take your clothes off. They treat you with as much modesty as possible. But when my doctor is doing a checkup, there's not a shame there. Uh, there are times when exposure is fine, but when you have a reason, all of a sudden that exposure becomes something else. You know, all, all of a sudden that exposure, what you're doing is exposing yourself to death. And all of a sudden, knowledge, this additive, it's like you take a drink of water. Let, let me add this little thing to it, but it's poison. I have this little thing to it, but it's a drug that's going to knock you out. Not all additives are add. Not all additives give you more. Some take away. And in this case, it did. And so they immediately sewed fig leaves together. It still amazes me that the first thing they do is put clothes on. They didn't even know what clothes were. You know? <laughs> they put these clothes on, and God replaced it with animal skins. Like, hey, have you... Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? That's what God said. I mean, he's not asking because he doesn't know. You know, like, little kid, did you just take that cookie out of the cookie jar? Um, verse That was verse 11. Man said, the woman you put me here, she gave me some fruit for the tree, and I ate it. I'm going, come on, guy. Not, yes, I did, but it's her fault. Come on. <laughs> so, um, and then the woman wasn't any better. And the Lord said to the woman, what have you done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate it. <laughs> it's like, can't even take responsibility. But here's the point. There were two trees in the center of the garden. One was good and they could have it. One was not good. It was not something they could handle. And they took it. And because they chose to take more or to grasp for more than they deserved or should have, they lost not just the tree of life, but every other tree in that garden. They could never come back again. They, they went from not having to work for perfection, for everything, for purity, to having to work for this fallen state. And thus was and is the state of humanity outside of Christ. That tree of life doesn't come back up much often, much more often. I looked it up throughout Scripture. 
He only, there are two other books that the Tree of Life is mentioned in. Um, that Tree of Knowledge and Good and Evil, we didn't need to eat anything after that. That was like this thing. It was like, it was in our DNA. As soon as Adam and Eve ate that, that evil was in our DNA. The potential always was there. But that choice, we didn't have a choice but to be born into evil after that. Uh, the Tree of Life is mentioned four times in Proverbs. And it's not a real tree of life. It's a proverbial, it's a metaphor. Wisdom is like a tree of life. Proverbs 3.18 says, The fruit of righteousness is a tree of life. Proverbs 11.30. Proverbs 13.12. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. And Proverbs 15.4. A soothing tongue is a tree of life. But that tree of life isn't there. That's the thing. We keep trying to go for life. And we keep messing it up, just like the first thing Adam and Eve did. They messed it up. You know, because you really, uh, like it says in Romans, you, you break one part of the law, you're breaking the whole law, you know. So we just keep biting that, up, that fruit of death, you know, over and over and over and over and over again. And, even when we try and we get it right, someone else gets it wrong and we have to suffer the consequences of their mistake. And even with that, creation's fallen. So something happens, natural disaster, or COVID, you know, disease. And uh, Of course, I'm thinking COVID because it's 2021. We're finally getting over that. You don't want to hear that word. It's a C word. But anyways, I digress. All these things happen and keep thwarting it and keep thwarting it and keep thwarting it. And this tree of life, it's like... Honestly, up until yesterday, I was thinking, well, that was gone for good. That the, the literal tree of life was gone for good. But something, there's something I missed. I don't know how I missed it. Okay, so Genesis chapter 1, God creates everything. Everything. Genesis chapter 2, God makes the one rule. Genesis chapter 3, <laughs> the tree's gone. Tree's gone. The first thing we say that humans do is, is ruin life, you know, bring on death. Uh, oh, I lost it. That's all right. I'll come back. Revelation 22. Very, very last chapter in the Bible. Start with one. The angel showed me the river of the water of life. As clear as crystal flowing from the throne of God and the Lamb and of the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city, on each side of the river stood the tree of life. That's a big tree. It's like split by a river. The tree of life. First thing humans did was limit our access to it. But Jesus, you know, the second Adam, the new man, restored our inheritance. And right at the end, as the new Jerusalem is established, as heaven is established, as this holy city is established, we find that the tree, it's there. wasn't even cut down. Our access to it was cut. But the tree has been there all along. And now we get to see it. <laughs> the Alpha and the Omega. Uh, a little bit later, let's see, 
Revelation 22, 14. Blessed are those who wash their robes, that they may have the right to the tree of life and may go through the gates into the city. Typos can't be undone sometimes, you know? Words can't be taken back. Sin, we can never make up for it. We can't. We can't. But see, there was another tree. We get access to this thing we have no right to. Because there was another tree. It was a tree that Christ carried himself. Beaten within an inch of his life. And then his life taken. That tree was a tree of Christ's death. That tree was the tree of our life. See, in the beginning, it seemed that the tree of evil, the tree of death, won over the tree of life. Because of Christ's work on another tree, our story ends with redemption. Our story ends with the reversal. The very first thing we did wrong. Our story ends with a different destiny. The story began with banishment. The story ends with an invitation. Come. The Spirit and the Bride say, 2217, Revelation 2217. Spirit and the Bride say, Come, and let him who hears say, Come, whoever is thirsty, let him come. And whoever wishes, let him take the free gift of the water of life. Blessed are those, verse 4, 14, who wash their robes that they may have the right to the tree of life and they may go through the gates into the city. Eden restored, life restored, hope restored. But I do want to give a qualifier here. I say us. When I say us, I say those of us who are walking in obedient faith to Christ. Those of us who claim Christ as our Lord and Savior. Is a strong warning here, 2219. If anyone takes words away from this book of prophecy, God will take away from him his share of the tree of life. If anyone adds anything, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. There are some pretty crazy plagues. Bottom line, life wins. We win when we choose life. We choose God. How's that for a storybook ending? Well, Jesus, thank you that you win. I confess, God, I still... There are times when I choose death. There are times when I 
seek after knowledge I have no business knowing. I seek after things I have no business having, God, and I confess. Not only is that very unwise, it is not what's best for me, God. Your will is always what's best for me. It's always what's best for us. If there is anyone out there, Lord, who does not know you, who's listening to this, I just pray, Lord, that you beckon them to your will. I just pray, Lord, that you draw them into you. Invite them to the great reversal. The great re-reversal from death to life, Lord Jesus. And help us to see your life and your hope and your newness and just throughout our day. And help us to be reflections of your life and, and love and health and wellness. In your name, amen. Be blessed, my friends.